did you see the tweet she posted where she said this is coming full circle someone's using page factory to mimic my gardening site yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Welcome back to the Built-In Public Podcast, folks. Another week. And this is the first of its kind, what we're going to do on this show. And I think it's uh, an idea Mason had last week. And I think it's something that will be fun as we go. We are going to analyze a another, we're going to start in, talking indie about hacker. Other, yeah, other small entrepreneurs that are building in public or at least enough public details to give us like topics to talk about in depth so yeah what's cool is we found this person not digging for topics for this particular episode we actually found them because we were looking for solutions for our business and we stumbled upon allison seabolt or sebolt i'm not sure how you pronounce her name yeah i think it's seabolt but we found her i think initially maybe on twitter probably um when we were digging into programmatic seo she was learning a bit her on her own uh, programmatic but also building a tool to make it easier to do programmatic seo um and then you know along with that she's building out a few indie sites niche small niche based content sites that are pretty cool so yeah and she's been pretty open and transparent with all of her projects which makes it really easy to follow that path and it's it's very interesting i like laid out the path in here did you check it out where it goes from like she's a self-taught a programmer coder yeah. and then she has an idea for this one app and then leads her to have an idea for programmatic seo and then it leads her to create a SaaS product for that and then she teaches a course all about it so it's kind of just a natural evolution of all these different things um yeah i think it's a really get... cool evolution because I, I like i really like when programmer programmers and, and coders build products out of necessity like they find yeah. the need in their own work it's like oh i'm building this site and it would be so much easier if I had this. And then they just build that tool. And like we found that that tool was actually helpful for us as well. Um, yep. And, you know, I think that, that she could continue to build out that product. I'm sure we have a few uh, things that we'd like to see in Page Factory. So let's Yeah, because uh, we no longer use that because we, we were able to find, well, we stopped doing it for one site, but. We were yeah. also able to find like a more duct tape solution that didn't require, um, you know, the right. fee per month. But if there's some other things like you mentioned that were added to it, it might be more interesting for us right now. Yeah. So how did it start? What was her first uh, project? It's one that's like super interesting and cool to me. Uh, it's Fantasy Congress. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's online fantasy sports, like fantasy football, but for U.S. congressional members. Um this is the one where I don't feel like she was talking too much about how it was built when she built it because I can't find where she's sourcing data or I was going to sign up for an account uh, before this episode, but I didn't get a chance. But I think it's like the amount of like bills they put into action or votes they cast uh, has some kind of like point scoring system that then attributes to that congressional member. Yeah, I don't know how she built it. I think that she built this before she really started kind of like technically building in public or releasing her public data and like showing her step-by-step process and revenue numbers and stuff. But I think the idea is really cool. Um, And it's something like one, like that, you know, my immediate thought is like teaching. It's a great teaching tool to make learning about. That's how it like catapulted. Yeah. Um, Because history class can be so boring. Learning about Congress is so boring. Like, I don't know if you remember that high school, like government class is terrible. 
It's, yeah, it's still boring. I still don't want to keep up with it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think it's, it's cool to, to gamify something that is so boring like that. Um, make it easier for teachers uh, to kind of get their kids into Congress. Yeah, there's got to be some big plays you could have with this too, right? Where she like sells it to Chegg or something like that. Yeah, yeah um, or any of the online educators. Yeah, that do that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Um, I mean, even like licensing it to school districts and stuff like that's the amount of work. It's, it sounds like a ton of work to do, try to like sell it into public school systems. But I think the tool is really cool. Yeah. Um, so I was reading like some interviews she did around when this like got attention and they wanted to talk to the founder and owner. And it was cool to hear the story where it's just talking about um, if she was in a fantasy league and people were talking about politics being hard to follow. And she had this idea, boom, it gets spurred. And then she's surprised by its growth because I guess there's some Reddit group or Facebook group of uh, history teachers that were sharing it around and then kind of just, uh, you know, spread like wildfire. And it was really interesting because seeing her biggest regret was not launching it with monetization in mind. I think she probably just launched it as a free kind of like gimmicky thing that would be fun to send to friends. And then it did well. Um, But that's really... I I kind of think that launch strategy is like pretty common. Like you're like, oh, I'm going to build this site and just kind of figure it out, see which way it goes. Mm -hmm. And that, that piece of like not fully thinking through monetization early on is something yeah, she probably of, didn't think that of like yeah. the, even the school adoption where it's like oh this is a thing yeah yeah i agree i mean i think it's yeah it's something any content site can experience it's like that feeling that you just don't know how to monetize it yeah so she has fantasy congress and then she takes this idea of being able to source data and then put it on a website and she wants to turn that into some kind of seo play where she's sourcing data online and populating blog posts that would then rank in Google and you can monetize through AdSense essentially. She has that idea and then she basically spins up Garden Auntie, which is some uh, garden uh, basic blog site that talks about different plants and growing instructions. It's monetized through AdSense and she has interest in this particular niche. Yeah, I think Garden Auntie is super interesting. I was looking into other gardening sites and there's uh, epicgardening.com did over 10 million this year. Um, and digging deeper into some of like the gardening keywords and topics, the keyword difficulty is really low um, as like an overall niche. And there's just so many topics to cover. Like right, gardening is like planting any type of plant. There's so many species of plants and you know the search volume might not be super high for everyone but if you're hitting 100 200 300 different plants then you're gonna get a ton of traffic and a a really cool site getting built so yeah it was it was interesting reading like i read the original post where she was talking about building this it's on her site allisonsabolt.com we'll have links and descriptions and whatnot um but it's really like she the candidness about her talking about it is really cool and like she shows all the pricing of what she put into it but it's funny seeing her even talk about not knowing whether or not Google will uh, penalize her for having too similar content. She's like, will this happen? Like, I don't know, but we're going to test I mean, it out. Yeah, it's really like this site was a big test for her. I think it launched in November. If I. Uh, or, no, because she has stats in August. Uh, unless maybe. November 2021, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I, I forget that it, it's, it's been it's been going for a while um but uh the traffic numbers have gone up and down like 
and I think she's seeing some of that penalizing potentially um, or just correction. Yeah, I don't know. Like reading her post recently, it seems like there's just been like in a problem with our businesses is like diverted focus where it seems like she took on the idea of doing a course about programmatic SEO and it kind of cannibalized her time. And that probably took away from all these other projects. But you look at the last four months and it's not doing great in terms of like the traffic trend. Yeah. Um, I Yeah. I mean, I think you're right though. It's probably not a focus. It's like mm-hmm. one of those sites where I think she was like, I'm going to spin it up going to put up a bunch of articles through programmatic ways and yeah and you just see the see how it does yeah you look at the opportunity cost at the time over the last three four months there's probably more opportunity into putting effort into like page factory than the actual thing that is the you know poster child of programmatic seo for her yeah i think it's cool to be building them both at the same time because i think it's like an interesting case study for page factory like yeah, gardening exactly. itself, right? It's like, can I it's use all gardening? an evolution? That's why this whole like thing is so cool. Cause like then her yeah. course is then a sales mechanism for page factory, but it's also referencing garden anti. It also yeah. works within itself. Yeah. I mean, she's really like full, went full circle in terms of like testing her product, building out programmatic uh, content and now like into doing a course with her software, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. I want to do her course. Um, it's free, so I want to take her course. Yeah, um, but but yeah. So basically, Garden Angie, she built some Python Python code or app to basically, uh, you know, source or not source the data, but to tabulate the data and then publish it to like a WordPress site. And she took this idea, turned it into a SaaS app, and now you're able to do that in page factory which is exactly what it sounds like you need to find the data points which is really interesting because like i put like in here like regrets for each thing because she brought up regrets one of the regrets that she mentioned for garden auntie was uh that she wishes that there was more unique data points that were easily sourceable so that she could have more differentiated posts that weren't so cookie cutter Mm -hmm. um and that's really interesting because it's she said, like, if I do this on another project or another, you know, website, that's the first thing I would do is see how many data points are, um, you know, accessible and then differentiated, essentially. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you're going to go programmatic and like as your main focus, I think that has to be the first thing you're looking yeah, at. Or else you're manually pulling shit and then you're yeah, not really automating a ton. Yeah, then you're losing that automation and programmatic sense. So you need that data to be able to build a programmatic content blog. And again, she put that into an app or you could check it out, pagefactory.app or something like that. We'll link it. Um, We decided not to use it anymore. Like we mentioned, one thing I think would be very interesting as kind of like an extra added benefit that I would be uh, likely to re-engage with the app if this gets added is if there is another component that indexes the pages or submits them for indexing after you publish them because right now you source the data into an excel sheet you tell page factory what the call what the columns and the rows um, should formulate to on a blog post and then that's it then you have your post but it doesn't necessarily mean they're indexed or anything like that you still have to manually uh, submit them for indexing which takes a lot of time. So that would be really cool if that was some sort of component of this. Yeah. As you'd like batch upload, you know, the 50 pages or whatever it auto indexes. Mm-hmm. And be, even if 
you can't index all of them per day. It would be great to have that automated to like continue indexing 10 pages a day. Every yeah. Day. Like that should be possible with Google's API. Yeah. Um, well, there's people doing it. Like we, we've seen some of those like other right. indie, indie builders, like coding things that can, that can do that. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> you want to go over some of her numbers or should we leave that out? Um, there's, I guess, I think there's, there's not super interesting things regarding the numbers, but what is interesting is um, she has been able to get a fully programmatic site to over a thousand page views a month, unique sessions. Um, it is earning in, it is, is earning revenue. Um, Fantasy Congress and Page Factory are more interesting from a revenue perspective. I think Page Factory with has the most potential out of any of hers due to kind of monthly reoccurring software type business model. Um, but yeah, I guess that's yeah, just... Yeah, I just love the whole building and public nature to this because it's so like, regardless of how small ball it is, she just lays it all out there. She'll be like, we're doing great this month. We have 20 paid subscribers. Yeah, and it's, well, it's like, garden ante. Yeah, we did $60 in revenue, $100 in revenue, $200 yeah. in revenue. Like it's, she's like, I know it's not big, but I'm not doing anything to, to make it. It's automated $200 every month. Right. So. Yeah, just the biggest thing that stood out to me with her numbers that she posts on a monthly basis as like a kind of monthly wrap up on her site was just the trend down in the page views for Garden Ante. And I do think that's just not enough attention and probably just a lack of original content, which is so much of like what we talk about here on this podcast of um, when talking about AI copywriting tools and AI tools in general is I don't think there's a perfect 100% like all AI and then nothing else kind of like original. I think there needs to be a healthy blend. Like if she added some healthy blend, I don't know if the pictures are original or if even if she just wrote like monthly recaps, I, I think Google's looking for some of that original content on the site. And that's yeah, I agree. And I think the other pieces is constantly updating content. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't, uh, if you aren't updating, you're going to get beat out quickly. And yeah. if she's just leaving those, you know, their year old posts or whatever, since she built the site, she's going to end up getting beat back out and pushed back down in rankings. So, Did you see the tweet she posted where she said, this is coming full circle. Someone's using Page Factory to mimic my gardening site. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. literally like building a competitor site yeah. from her programmatic uh, software, which is good. I mean, I think for her, that's a really cool experience because I think her main focus now is Page Factory. Garden yeah. Ante was a test project to prove Page Factory as like a really good a tool. So, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to see it all come full circle. But Yeah, but that's Allison Siebel. We follow her pretty regularly, so definitely interested to see more of the cool stuff she builds. If she yeah, follow ever her on hears Twitter. this or sees this, what's up, Allison? Follow her on Thank Twitter. You. She drops a bunch of cool tweets, and um, her website, uh, she releases like her, her public monthly numbers for all the projects she's working on. She's working on multiple things, which is also like – something that we really like uh, seeing entrepreneurs do is not just like head down, focus one thing. It's like, can you also build four projects and kind of like make yeah, it I love the way she structured it. Cause it's all related somewhat outside of, yeah. or it's all an evolution, I guess. Yeah. Um, one thing in here, if we, uh, if we want to talk like random shit, I threw in a tweet from Moosh Feek that I saw a couple days ago that I like, like I thought resonated with uh, a couple of the sites that she sold. It's basically Mushfeek is the website flip. He puts out newsletters and didn't he launch some kind of, um, or he's done some 
SEO. He, runs, he buys like, and sells websites, but he also runs like an, an agency that does content building, backlinking. Yeah, he like did that. some um, advisory stuff for one of our sites or a, what's it, an audit for one of our sites that was valuable. Um, anyways, he posted a tweet that said, my red flags for content site acquisitions in 2023, so things to stay away from. Multi-niche, generic sites, duh, makes sense. Low-quality content, makes sense. Low-quality authors and expertise that eat, makes sense. This is the one that resonated with some of Allison's stuff, was no scope for digital products and or multi-revenue streams, which is really interesting that he's taking that into mind. So, because before... I guess that probably wasn't a concern, right? Does that mean that like the content space and SEO is getting so competitive that you're not able to scale like you were as quick and now you need this other angle? I think secondly too, like this is an interesting one for us because we did acquire a site in 2023 with no scope for digital products. And we did in 2023. Sorry. In 2022. Um, Oh, the dog. No, crafty. Oh, right. Like, well, digital. It, pro- okay. We have a digital book, but like, is there scope for multi-revenue streams? Like thinking back on, on, yeah, if, if we were to evaluate are. that site, there are, there are for sure. Multi-revenue streams. Like we could add e-commerce, but I think it is a really important piece that Mushfeek's looking at because if there isn't, then it's like, man, am I really just going to try to build this site out and monetize just through display? And that's then really, it's really like, hard. Like- Canada tutorials is right now. Essentially. Yeah, and it's really Just hard that. to earn like decent money. Yeah, like with Crafty, the good thing I think uh, eventually it should get to a point where there's like paid courses on there, where it's yeah. the Udemy of. Uh, yeah, or like yeah, bartender. we acquire a licensing company would be really cool. I think something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, this is really interesting to me. Another like random. Uh, thing that I was looking into was everydaycarry.com. I was looking into them for honest uh, because they kind of review a lot of like higher end cool accessories. Um, when I hear that, I just think of like a gun website. I'm surprised like that it's like, DC. you know, yeah. what's weird is, is our, is our stash light, the, the lighter and, and tube product it gets a ton of survival everyday carry people that want to put other things besides joints in the tube because it is waterproof. Like what? Uh, you know people have like tinder um small like <laughs> i love that small <laughs> multi-tools that they can fit in there just random things but dude i love this target demographic tinder, yeah there's people out there walking around with tinder in their pocket right now yeah. that's awesome like in case i need to build a fire <laughs> wild. but it was really interesting to see because it got acquired ridge wallet um love ridge wallet Ridge Wallet's owner, Sean, is on Twitter, like really active on Twitter and puts out a, a ton of like cool content. But they he they bought Everyday Carry for, I think, around a million dollars. Um, and it's it's an interesting idea because I'm sure EverydayCarry.com was an affiliate for Ridge Wallet prior to the acquisition. I didn't look super far into it, but oh, that's interesting. assuming that it was like their top affiliate or one of their top affiliates. And then they just acquired them as like that content site. But that's so it, smart. Yeah. It, yeah, it's two parts. It's like, wow, that's a really good learning lesson for us. Like, can we go out and acquire? Well, also, our that affiliate, affiliate probably doesn't know how valuable they are to Ridge Wallet. Exactly. Yeah, they don't know, and they don't know like, you know, if Ridge Wallet is is buying them, and you know, say Ridge Wallet is paying them fifteen percent of their uh, sales. Like, right? 
could be potentially like Ridge Wallet as their main revenue driver. And dude, let's go by Ridge Wallet. <laughs> yeah, Deer Patrol. <laughs> a lot bigger site than that, but um, no, it's just a really cool idea, and I and like overall interesting to see an e-commerce brand, a product like direct-to-consumer brand acquiring an affiliate. Um, yeah, I love that. Just as a strategy. It's actually really interesting. Do they just acquire and they keep all the existing like employees and like infrastructure as is? Basically, like we don't want you guys to change. We just want better deals on. Well, that's our... that's what. Yeah, that's what it's. It's like now they're not paying that affiliate anymore, right? Because yeah. it's owned by Ridgewall, and I'm and I'm not sure if it's exactly owned by Ridgewall or if it's if the and owner you take of out all the all the competitor links in the yeah, posts and whatnot exactly. you just, wow that's genius um but no the site still has like all types of gear it's not like just a ridge wallet review site now like they it still looks like an everyday carry review site i'm sure there's just an added focus on pushing ridge yeah it's funny it just reminds me of all like the drama with like google not showing amazon links high enough on like searches and shit like that yeah like tiktok buying ads on youtube yeah, like, I mean, they still have, like, if you go to wall, their wallet section, Ridge is definitely, like, you know, it's Ridge is the top on every list, but there are reviews, uh, they're reviewing other wallets as well, so. Got it. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's biased now, but it's still interesting. Cool. One other thing that uh, I want to make sure we talk about was the, uh, the email marketing of Athletic Greens. Oh, Yeah. What was that subject again? Starting the, the end of 2022 and the start of 2023, they were getting very like aggressive with the amount of emails they were sending. I feel like I was getting an email a day, which is like, all right, Athletic Greens, chill. Especially because it comes out of nowhere. So this is probably some initiative from the inside. Like, we have this huge list. We need to get these people to engage. Um, and then they send out an email around that time with a plan for the new year, new you blah, 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 athletic greens, try it out. And the subject line was unfuck your life, but unfuck had the second you out of it. So it was like unfuck your life, like cutesy, you know, kind of like not the brand of athletic greens. I'd expect it from something like, like if Gary V. Liver, liver King. Yeah. <laughs> like Liver um, King or like a Joe Rogan supplement yeah. or yeah. Or like Chubby's the brand where it's like they, you're expecting the playfulness. Yeah. And then like two days later, it was like, I thought it was just more like marketing because I've seen so many of these emails like, oh, sorry for the technical issue. Here's an extra discount. But it, there was no issue. It was a subject line that said an apology. I was like, oh, I'll actually check it out. And they were actually apologizing for the subject line because it offended some people. Which I think, too, is, is just interesting. I, I wonder if they had planned, if they had that planned. Like, kind of like. Right. So maybe it is. To, like, get engagement. And then let's just go apologize for it, right? And I, I mean, I don't know who knows the strategy behind it, but I think you're right that there was some initiative that obviously Athletic Greens, like probably one of the biggest spenders in the D2C space. Like, I think they like, actually did a goof because, like, if maybe, you think yeah. if you think this strategy that you just said that like Alex Jones conspiracy, they went like really aggressive with the thing that could actually offend people by like dropping an F bomb in a subject line. Yeah, but like, how much can that really hurt? Yeah, I guess. Like, okay, you're not really hurting someone's feelings just using an incorrect word or like a term yeah. that they might not be used to a brand using. But I do think like 
they're they have to be a one of the top spenders in the D2C space. At oh all. yeah. Like and and so I'm sure they're their their email list is insane i bet insane uh-huh. and i like bet the millions, engagement right i bet the engagement was like really low for how many new leads they're developing a day like i'm sure they didn't have that process Cause, yeah because they're a brand and a product without really a voice or a face and i feel like that's hard to resonate with yeah it's hard to connect with I, and i agree i think like yeah it's hard to sometimes connect with athletic greens like to me it's just like a green powder that you know people yeah hoopla into saying like it's vitamins you know but i don't know oh so shots fired athletic greens yeah shots just a just a bunch of hoopla (laughs) such an old man (laughs) well it's like that trust right like i don't know i just haven't found that i've yeah seen it with them just eat your spinach is what you're saying yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Regardless of if it's planned or not, just testing at that scale is super interesting. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they A-B tested it. Did they send this one subject line to everyone? It's wild regardless. And it was just funny to see what we would do on a small scale with a brand being done with you know a brand that does like seven, eight figures. And it's or nine figures probably or nine i think eight, it, nine figures yeah i think it's rare too that a brand this size tests something like this like i think this is stuff like me and you we test at our size right. thinking like oh you know let's test it because why not we're sending to ten thousand subscribers not five six seven million however many they yeah. have like insane amount probably so um testing this stuff on a on a large scale is really cool but yeah. whoever had the balls to do it it's badass so Kudos, Athletic Greens uh, email marketing team. If you're still employed, and this was, yeah. <laughs> and this wasn't a bunch of hoopla. Yeah, most likely not employed still. Um. All right, guys. I think that's it this week. Hope you enjoyed it. It was cool talking about a person within programmatic SEO because we've been talking about it so much over the last couple of months. Um, we're gonna continue doing stuff like this as we uh, find other people related to the projects or topics that we're employing within our businesses. Hope you enjoy it. Anything else you yeah, want to touch on? A, a few, a few come top of mind. Mini Katana, Mini Katana. Guy. Oh yeah, we, we got to go through like his YouTube strategies on real. We can do um, Joke World too. Joke World would be really cool. Um, yeah, so I think there'll be a few more, a lot of interesting ones. I, I like talking about this. It's it's less repetitive than us going over our projects. Yeah, especially if not much changes. Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. And as always, hoopla. Keep, keep up the hoopla. Hoopla. <laughs>